And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I give our takeaways from the Sixers' preseason opening loss to the Toronto Raptors. And then, of course, because we can't go a podcast without doing so, dive into the latest updates on the ongoing Ben Simmons circus. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. So, it's been, how long has it been? A week? Something around a week since we last spoke. Uh, not a whole lot has happened, but on the same token, it feels like everything has happened. How you doing, Rich? I'm good, man. We're still here. We, yep, yep. We have had Joel Embiid, who has commented that somebody is not still here. And he had a few pointed words on that. And then we had a game in which not many of the Sixers were there. Where would you like to start off, Rich? Let's go with the game first. It was the the more recent of the two things and probably the, the shorter of the two uh, discussion points I think we'll have. Yeah, so obviously Ben Simmons did not play, officially listed as NWT, not with team. Uh, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid also did not play, as did... Uh, Charles Bassey, who is getting a work visa issue resolved. Uh, obviously, three of those are more relevant than the one. But with no Embiid, Simmons, or Harris, the Sixers did not have a whole lot going on. Just a real dreadful game. Just not fun to watch. Preseason basketball, not a lot of talent, not a lot of shot creation, not a lot of good offense. Not a whole lot to take away from it. I guess where we'll start is probably with Tyrese Maxey, just because he is the one that's on top of mind for everyone. That is probably not the right environment to see him in his first game without Embiid, without Simmons, against a very switch-heavy uh, Toronto team that had a lot of length. But he ended up with 5 of 11 for 10 points uh, to go along with three assists and four turnovers. Certainly not the stat line that you would want from somebody who, at least right now with the roster construction, has so much on his shoulders. Rich, what did you take away from his game? wasn't great, but I think you mentioned the... Uh... The circumstance is important here. I, honestly, Toronto very impressive with their their length and their uh, their switching and how aggressive they are. I mean, it's the same sort of thing that flusters Embiid all the time in the regular season when they play. So, so I guess in some ways that's just kind of a nightmare team to play against in the preseason when you're not really ready to play. And I mean, no Embiid, no Harris. Okay, that's that's tough. That said, I think you. Like some of the concerns that you might have going into the season, they they kind of popped up there. The Sixers were, they got their ass kicked for a little while there. In the I would say towards the end of the first quarter, yeah. pretty much all the way through, like midway through the third, where they they really couldn't run their offense. And you know, in fairness to uh, Young Maxi, I thought Shake was probably yeah. worse than him, yep. the other point guard. So it's not like it was a again like Toronto was playing good defense and. You know, like Scotty Barnes was up in his grill, picking him up at, really at half court. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah he was really good defensively. And, uh, like, no, Maxi did not get the Sixers into their offense very well at all. I mean, there were, you know, there were a couple stretches there early on. Drum- Drummond with two, uh, two N1s on post-ups, that's when you knew it was going to be a weird night. Like, that's, he gets those right away, and you're like, that's probably not a good sign for what's yeah. uh, going to happen moving forward because he shouldn't be posting up at all. Anyway, you know, there were a couple times he found Curry for uh, shots. He got loose, set, set that a decent game. One of the few players who did along with Drummond, but like, yeah, it was not a great environment. And Maxi didn't play great. And you, you kind of hear doc talk about this a lot. Like he's a work in progress. He's a 20 year old point guard. And when you hear that, you're thinking, all right, but he better be good right away. Cause you don't have anybody else. That's as good as him. Uh, unless Ben Simmons comes back. So I guess those are my general thoughts. I'm not, uh, freaking out. I'm not completely concerned, but I, some of the issues, that you would be concerned about if this doesn't go right. They were, they were there right in front of your face. Yeah. And like I said, the, the, the switch heavy, he really just struggled to get into the paint with any kind of regularity, get them into their offense. Um, I, and to top it off, he couldn't buy a jumper. And now part of that's because all those jumpers were contested by long Toronto defenders. Uh, but I don't think he made a shot outside of the paint. He really struggled with this jumper. And with the combination of those two, it's, it was a, it was a tough night for him. I don't want to read too much into an opening night without your three best players. Nope. And your top two scorers. Well, your your two best players because the third, <laughs> the one's the third never one is be not. Here. No, no, I I, I, I got you. I got you. But still, like that goes back to the point we spent all, all preseason talking about. Well, until they make that trade, you're going to have a lot riding on Tyrese Maxey, and he still does have a you know some of those holes in his. Like we were just talking about how you'd look up in the playoffs and he would shoot three for eight for seven points and the crowd was going nuts. Well, he still needs to find. Uh, a few counters offensively. Uh, and right now, look, it's one game against a tough defense. Um, you saw the strength of that defense in their switching and their ability to stop ball screens. You also saw the weakness in it in that they made Andre Drummond a post score, which was partly due to the fact that he had six inches on pretty much anybody that was trying to defend him. Uh, but you you need more perimeter shot creation. And Maxi is, I mean, it's like you said, it's one thing to show promise. Uh, last year when you had other players, but now that it's, it's his show, at least until a trade is made, those off nights, the inconsistency will be tough, but I still expect that inconsistency because he's a tw- 20, forget even a 20 year old point guard, a 20 year old scorer in his league, perimeter scorer in his league has a tough role as well. And I expect some inconsistency from him. They just, the Sixers overall were not a very organized team last night. You know, we, we make fun of Drummond in the post in those possessions earlier, you know, what was the worst that what was worse than, uh, than Andre Drummond in the post Andre Drummond catching the ball at the yeah. free throw line, trying to make a play because he threw, I don't know what did he threw three pick sixes, four pick. And some <laughs> of them were ugly, man. Like he just threw him right to the Raptors guy. Like he, it was so he on the, on the whole on the night, 19 points four fourteen 14 rebounds, three assists, four blocks. He was good. A six yeah. for nine shooting in 24 minutes. Good performance. But you did sort of see the the good and the bad because, look, I think on the one hand, one of the things that really plagued Andre Drummond throughout his career is that his effort level was up and down. And I think being on a minimum contract and the final year of his deal, his effort level should be much more consistent this year. But the downside of that is because he's on a minimum contract and a one-year deal, I worry that at times he's going to try to do a little bit too much. And in the second quarter, third quarter, you saw that. And look, part of that's coaching staff. Again, I don't know what you think you're going to get out of a Drummond-Matisse-Leibold dribble handoff. It's just not like nothing good's <laughs> going to come of that. 
And part of that is because he's asked to do so much more because Embiid and Harris are out. But that is sort of like the sneaking worry in the back of my head that like, hey, he might try to do a little too much to show what he's capable of. And you might get some of those, like you said, pick sixes that he had uh, the other night. That's a play calling issue, though. Like you should never throw the ball to him and delay and, and have him make a play. And uh, again, I, we're emphasizing this. Toronto's the worst team in the world to do that against because they just switch everything aggressively, deny, force you to go back, back, back door. But uh, man, Drummond really, he cannot make those passes. I, I just think the Sixers as a whole were not a very organized team. No. I mean, they're I not, not only were they turning the ball over all the time, their transition defense was woeful. Yeah. It was horrible. And some of that is personnel. I, B-Ball Paul's transition. Like he, he plays really hard on, on the offensive glass. He's, Pretty crappy at finding the right guy when he when he gets back in uh, in transition. But you know, I think some of that also is that I don't think Doc really gives a shit about preseason. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he he cares. I, I did find it amusing that after the game he talked about, well, we didn't have too much of our stuff in before. You know, he said that right after a week of, well, we got the whole team here. We oh, we know the plays. We're just picking up where we left off last year. So it can't be both of those things, but I, I I do think like yeah he did not really run a lot of great stuff and his players were bad you know Shake was bad Quirkmaz was bad yeah uh, Niang was bad so I don't really know how much you can take from it we we've seen some weird preseason results in our day too so again you know as we say all this stuff I'm not really reacting too much to it. Maybe if they play four of these games in a row and they suck in all of them, okay, may- maybe that's the case. But, you know, part of it is like, look, you get the big fellow back, you get Tobias back, you run a few more plays, maybe you make a jumper or two, you play a home game. I-, I think it'll be better. But, yeah, I mean, like to say we saw a ton of encouraging signs from that game would be wrong because no, there, yeah. was not, there was not that there. We can say, on the one hand, don't worry too much. I'm not going to take too much negative from this. But we can't lie and say we saw a whole lot of positive stuff either. I guess one, um, <laughs> Drummond, again, just the the skill level is certainly an upgrade. I, I worry a little bit about, like I said, just staying within the flow of the offense, not trying to do too much. I worry significantly about pick and roll defense, but the skill level, there's certainly an upgrade there. Uh, the other he's, real positive. He's uh, a great, by the way, he's a great offensive rebounder too. Oh That's yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. What, him and Bebo Paul had like, 12 or 13 or something absurd like that. Um, the one real positive, sort of like the unmitigated positive, would be like Isaiah Joe. And that's, that's yeah. look, I'm actually sort of excited about Isaiah Joe. Uh, for him to launch, you know, eight of his nine attempts were from three. Some of them were like, there's a decent amount of shot variety on that too. It wasn't just catch, stand in the corner, catch. Like he had one where he was moving his feet coming off of a screen. He had a, I think a, a fake and a one dribble pull up. I think he had a pull up in transition. Like there's some decent, like he was hunting threes in a, a good way. Uh, and I, I still maintain that, look, we focus, myself included, focus a lot on his build because he just physically can't defend very many people in the NBA strength wise but I think he does move his feet decently well. I think he does jump some passing lanes pretty well. I was certainly encouraged by what he showed and the fact that everyone else sort of in that rotation ahead of him is very inconsistent. Like it bodes well for giving him a chance or at least giving him a chance to show himself. But when Isaiah Joe was like your only real positive takeaway, it was not the strongest showing in the world. It's a great way to put it. 
Isaiah Joe, I really like him. It seems like he's making a lot of progress. If he is your shining star for the game, you probably got your ass kicked. Yeah. And that is what uh that's what happened. Uh it, the you mentioned it, the just the three point volume. The the Sixers, you know, Embiid was talking about this last week because he's been making a lot of noise about wanting to shoot a bunch of threes this year. And the way he described it, it was almost like he's not even talking about himself shooting threes. It's more, I'm going to shoot threes and then I'm going to stare at everybody else and say, you need to shoot more threes because I'm the best one inside one of those things. And you look, I mean, they're, uh, their three point frequency has gone down pretty much every year yep. since the Embiid Simmons core started the, the first year with Redick and Bellinelli. They were, by the way, they have never been super high. Some of that is Simmons, but to be, you know, he also creates a bunch of threes, but the Redick Bellinelli year where I always say they were, you know, like Bellinelli was shooting sideways threes. Uh, they were like 11th or 12th and they, they're all the way down to 26 last year, yeah. which, you know, you know, some of that is just that they have Curry who has the, uh, he doesn't have the great release, but you know, and Embiid, he, he cut down a three per game basically last year as well. So yeah, I don't know what the, uh, what the answer is to that, because Simmons is the one who's creating a lot of these threes for these guys. I mean, some of these teams that shoot a bunch of threes, it's because, well, you have like James Harden and Luka Doncic who can just get one up whenever they want. Yep. You know, they just do a step back jumper and the Sixers don't have anybody who's even close to that. So uh, that, that'll that be interesting. I mean, I'm sure Daryl Morey, that's like music to his ears because, you know, even though they, they had a good team last year and he, he didn't get in the way of that, I'm sure he wants them to take as many threes as possible to play a more uh, analytics-friendly style. But, like, you know, with all those things in mind, Isaiah Joe can just get him up. Yeah. And, you know, if you put him with Embiid, I, I think there's a chance he could really increase that three-point frequency. I We'll see. Maybe I'm overreacting to one game, but I did really like his summer league as well. I think there's a real chance he's going to get a rotation shot at some point. He's not in the current rotation now. He's probably 11th, I would say. But they, they play 10 guys. And, you know, as we saw last night, Cork and Shake and, you know, even Maxi a little bit and Matisse, these guys aren't like the beacons of consistency. So, you know, I, I could see Doc not liking what he's seeing from them and just throwing Joe into the game anyway. Yeah, I think he will get looks every now and then. Uh, what, does that mean he'll be a regular part of the rotation right from the jump? I don't know. But if he keeps playing like that, I think he has a chance to work his way in. Um, certainly one of the highlights, uh, I guess switching gears, Shake Milton was pretty dreadful. Uh, I, you know, he made a couple decent passes. Like he had, I think, cork cutting on the baseline for the one. He had the lob to Drummond. He at least had that going on occasion. And he, he's been a pretty consistently good lob thrower. But other than that, uh, look, Shake Milton as a point guard, I remember two years ago, when he was being talked about as that, we thought he was much more comfortable as an off-ball player. You put him out there and you ask him to create a lot of the offense for you. Not only does he struggle to get by that first line of defense, but when he does struggle to get by that defense, some of the decision-making, it feels like it's a little bit forced. It, it just seems like it speeds him up in bad ways when he struggles to take people off the dribble. I don't think he's necessarily an answer at point guard, even as a backup point guard. I'd love to see him a little more as a two-guard, as an off-ball role, I thought that's what we we're going to get with George Hill, uh, but George Hill was not good enough. And now to come into this season, relying on him, on him as a backup point guard, I worry about that a little bit. Think about, that's what Doc said at the end of last year. He said, 
look, I don't like Shake as point guard. He gets sped up too much. He said the exact thing you just said, which is very obvious to anybody who watches watches Shake play. And and Shake, look, he has these games where he can go absolutely nuts, and it's a lot of fun. And I would say for a player of his caliber, he probably has, you know, 98th percentile like highs. Like I players of his caliber do not drop 35 points a few times. They they just don't. And, right. and he does. And I, I think you have to clarify that, like of his caliber, 95 percentile. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, what I mean. Like, because he's not as good. And part right, of the reason right. he's not as good is because his lows are really you know, bad. Really they're bad. really bad. Not only missed and, shots, not only average at best defense, but also just passes and decisions that make you just. Yeah. But that's the thing Doc said at the end of last year. Yeah, we, we got to get him off the ball. I, I don't, I don't like him as much on the ball. We, we've kind of moved away from that. We like Maxi in that spot. Well, guess what? You don't solve your Ben Simmons situation. You don't sign another point guard. Guess what? He has to be the point guard on yeah. the uh, backup unit. So that's that's something to look for. Look, horrible matchup. Like I thought, Matisse was just barely playing offense last night. Cork was, I mean, he couldn't make a shot. Yep. They, they, they all were just horrible. B-Ball Paul was bad. Um, so it's not just Shake's fault, but yeah, that was, I mean, that, that felt like the worst case scenario Shake that we saw a decent amount last year, which uh, not great. Yeah, certainly saw too much of it in that second half of the season. And quite frankly, the first half was not great either. It's just, he wasn't, it seems like the first half he was playing, I won't say good, but he wasn't playing objectively terrible. He was just missing shots. And then it's like that got into his head a little bit. They never really found a point guard to take him off ball. And then the decision-making really seems like it cratered. Uh, this was not a, a good start. Again, preseason basketball, not a whole lot of good scoring options to play alongside of. Tough defensive team that can switch everything. Yada, yada, yada. But not the most encouraging Shake Milton performance, who I still have a little... Like, I still think Shake can be a rotation player in the right spot on the right groups. I just, I worry that being that point guard in that second unit is not the right spot for him, for sure. For sure. Which Doc of June agreed with us, but um I mean they don't they only have one real point guard right now, so and he's, he's not even he's, really a point guard, so Yeah. He's emblematic of what their uh what their issues are with their depth. They have a bunch of guys who are like, look, I think they can stick in a rotation. They've shown that they, they can get hot and, and actually really help the team from time to time. But they're just not all that consistent, and the bad moments are pretty bad. So, yep. Uh, other than that, Seth Curry, after a, a pretty tough start, really turned it on there, uh, which was good to see. He got a little bit more aggressive, especially hunting his his floaters and his runners. Um, only got three threes up, but he was pretty aggressive outside of that. Other than that, not a whole lot to take away. I thought um, Grant Riller had some nice moves to the basket, but he's, he's got not, a little juice. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. Um, yeah, a, That's a it. first preseason game for sure, for sure. And I think they're playing the Raptors next. I I should know the preseason schedule, but I believe that's who they, they are. play. They are tomorrow night in Philly. Maybe maybe look a little bit better, just so you know people don't uh, don't freak out. Maybe that's just like a little advice. Like you don't you don't have to treat it like a game seven of the finals. Well, don't treat it like a game seven because you'll probably lose it if you do that anyway. But uh, maybe like play a little bit better maybe maybe dust off a couple more plays do some some different stuff get maxi a little little more confidence but yeah that uh it wasn't a great performance but again we, we've probably talked too much about it already anyway i'm not 
I mean, there's I'm just not going to remember that. One there's for a just long time. not a whole lot going on. By the way, I want to I want to just stop, pull back the curtain a little bit, and give you your proper due. You said tomorrow's game against the Raptors, even though we're recording this on Tuesday night. You thought ahead and realized it wasn't going to be released until Wednesday, and you changed the time frame on the fly. That, my friends, is a professional. That's a professional. I see no lies. <laughs> yeah, no, not a whole lot to take away from that. Hopefully you get, for both teams, really, you get a, because a, a, Siakam wasn't playing for the Raptors, hopefully you get a little bit more um, to match up against. Um, maybe you'll see Embiid and Harris come back in. Maybe Danny Green will come out. Uh, Doc joked that he will definitely get old man Danny Green a game off or two here in the preseason. So you might not have a full roster, but you might have at least your, your top two half-court scoring options. You know what? Watching that game too, I was like, "Oh my god, thank you!" Is uh, is when the Raptors announcers said that they're going to play six games in the preseason. Ugh, could you a imagine? Lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Honestly, oh, I man. think I think they need longer training camps and knock off a game or two in the preseason. Um, it just seems two. like all of these teams right now have just not had enough practice time to really be ready. Like a week of practice is not much. It's not much. It was two last year, which. Yeah. I didn't think the level of play was horrific. I mean, I think it got horrific just because of the COVID absences, but I, I didn't think it was it was horrible for that reason because well, they were mostly they were practicing. Like, yeah, they they had two or three weeks of practice instead, which probably was more beneficial. So yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, all right. So I guess we can move on to our weekly Ben Simmons update. Uh, so there's initially some reporting that Ben Simmons camp thought he could get some of this. So the Sixers withheld, I think it was due on October 1st. They withheld the 8.25 million he was due because he is paid in four installments. He already got one, the first installment of $8.25 million uh, late in the summer. The second installment was due on October 1st. The Sixers withheld them because Ben Simmons is withholding services. Uh, so they put that money in an escrow account and now he can be fined. I forget exactly what it is, like 267000 or something like that for every missed uh, preseason and regular season games. But anyway, there's a report that, that Ben Simmons and his camp were optimistic that when he gets traded, 
the team receiving him could waive that and he could get his money back. That has now been reported that that is not true, that he will not get that money back. He hasn't necessarily lost all of the $8.25 million because that includes fines for upcoming games and practices. But of the games that he has already been fined for, that will not be returned to him. Uh, so there's been some reporting uh, and seems some fair. speculation. does seem fair. Uh, it's some reporting, some speculation that that might indicate that the maybe there's a little more weight being felt by the Simmons camp on his absence. Who knows whether that is actually the case. But I think sort of like the highlight or the low light, depending on how you look at it. Ben Ben liked a lot of those Instagram posts. He, he like he he, he might have known. Did. Well, he maybe did. didn't know. He maybe didn't know it was real, but uh, it's real. He Sorry. he put all, he put his three point one million dollar uh, condo up for sale. Nice. Um, yeah. So if you're if you're in the market, I don't know what your situation is like, but it looked real nice from the pictures I saw. Is that on Zillow? <laughs> I don't know. There? I I mean I assume it probably is. I have no idea. Uh, I am not in the market for a $3.1 million condo. But going back to it, uh, Joel Embiid had some, after one of the practices last week, uh, had some pretty pointed comments. And, you know, he started off, seemed like he was pretty going to toe the line. That changed real quickly. Real, 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 real quickly. So a couple of quotes here. Um, Hold on, let me let me find these. Uh, here's so uh, some of the highlights. I feel like our teams have always been built around his needs, so it was kind of surprising to see. Even going back, I mean, the reason we signed Al is him. We got rid of Jimmy, which I still think was a mistake, just to make sure, and then he sort of paused and changed direction and said he needed the ball in his hands. And that's the decision they made. Like I said, it is surprising, but I'm really focused on the guys that are here. Uh, he mentioned a bunch of times that, you know, Embiid has stepped out to the three-point line to accommodate Ben. And I think Joel would have stepped out to the three-point line regardless. I think Joel wants to have that in his bag, but he's he brought that up. Um, what was the other? There was another really... Sorry, I was looking up at Ben's places on Zillow. I think that's pretty <laughs> I'm I'm glad you found that. Thank you. Um... What else? Uh, oh, the situation is weird, disappointing, borderline kind of disrespectful to all the guys that are out here fighting for their lives. Some guys rely on the team to be successful, to stay into the league and make money somehow because if you're on a winning team, you're always going to be, have a spot in the league just because you're on a winning team and contributed. He then, of course, went on to say, obviously, we're a better team with him. Uh, we're not a better team without him. Uh, like I said, it is surprising, but I'm focusing on the guys that are here. We're trying to get better. Were you surprised that Joel went off like that? I mean, I was surprised just considering like the the tenor of the, the scrum we were in, and that uh, you know we were asking questions about like how's the practice going, all that, all those different things. In, in retrospect, I don't think it's that surprising because he had these thoughts. Uh, you know, he always hinted at something like this that was happening, and I, I guess he needed the right. Uh, time to to throw him out, and I, I guess you know from Ben Simmons, like his camp, like his standpoint, leaking the idea that hey, he doesn't want to play with Joel anymore. I think that just set him off, and he was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I really think because I am pretty fed up with this. I'm fed up about uh, talking about it, and I think like uh, he's not different 
from pretty much everybody in Philadelphia, everybody in the NBA, everybody who has had to follow this monstrosity of a story for forever. At some point, you just you you get frustrated. You got to say your takes, and you got to say, "Hey, this guy's not good enough," or maybe this maybe you have a different point of view, like the Sixers are being unfair, whatever. But you know, at some point, you're actually going to argue about it because Ben Simmons is like his whole career and this situation was made to debate. It was made for first take. It was made for you to put your opinion on. And what made this interesting, though, is that you heard a lot of opinions that me and you have probably said a lot. Pretty much anybody who followed who's followed the Sixers has probably said a lot of those things in one way or another when it, with like regards to their team building and all of those things. But what made this amazing was that it was Joel Embiid himself. Yeah saying this stuff and uh so am i a little bit surprised that he said it yeah because he did stick to the message i would say on uh on what was that on media day outside, outside saying, of you know, the, the video comment well and that's the point that with him it just it always leaks out there's always something that he's always hinted like hey if i really wanted to go off i'm just like dropping this morsel here like i'm not even trying but i'm just gonna throw it out there <laughs> and, and maybe maybe i'll even deadpan it but when you read it back, or if you're paying close attention to me, you know like what's going on in my head. There's probably a little bit more. Well, and think from Joel's perspective. Remember, there was that report from USA Today where basically Jeff Zilgit said almost the same thing, that the Sixers were at a point where they had to decide between Ben and Joel, that the relationship had run its course. It was almost exactly what Sam, not exactly, but because uh, I don't think Jeff Zilgit said which like side it had run, had, had the perspective of it running the course. But it was similar to what Sam Amick said, and Joel Embiid went on a rampage on Twitter defending his relationship, uh, saying it's not the case, media's making stuff up. Now it comes out a couple weeks later that Ben Simmons actually does believe that it's run its course, and Joel's like, all right, fuck you. Like, that's really sort of like what it seemed like. He cer- he certainly didn't refute Sam's report. I no, think he, he didn't. He didn't. What, uh, neither, what the deal was with Neither that. did Doc, because like Doc was asked about it, and he didn't refute it either. None of them really refuted it. That's good. That's good. We're not getting the the fake news defense here. We we let that have a rest for a week here. Yeah. yeah. It was uh I mean it was amazing. I mean, he talked for 4 minutes. That was crazy. Yeah. He's very long-winded in general, but man, he he emptied the clip. He certainly I, I think the the biggest thing he said even though I don't know how much we want to talk about it because it's old news, you want to rehash it or whatever. To mention Jimmy and and Al, that's the a, that's true, but like that's kind of like the line. That's like the third rail. Don't cross that one because, uh, you know, you're basically like ripping your front office, which, uh, newsflash, some of them are still there, even though yeah. obviously it was a very convoluted situation behind closed doors that led uh, to that decision. But, uh, yeah, he just, you're right. He just, he just not, it, on that day, after he heard or after he read that report, he just got to a point where he just didn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. And uh, that's yep. what he said. And it was certainly made uh, writing that day a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure it did. Uh, look, it will be. Do you still think there's. Do, do you think Ben Simmons will return to the team? <sighs> I'm leaving it open. I'm not specifying whether he plays a game, but do you think he returns to the organization? 
Yeah, I do, because I don't see a trade happening anytime soon. Me neither. What was that? I think it was um, our old colleague, Jake Fisher, uh, who wrote a, 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 a book, not directly about the process, but about, about tanking, called Built to Lose. It's right there behind me. Uh, he what wrote shelves are for. Yeah, so go, go, go check that out. Um, you know, but our old colleague, Jake Fisher, reported that... Um, um, where was I going with this? Wow. Well, he first reported that they didn't pay them the money. Yeah, he also. Oh, he 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 then uh, reported that there was uh, talk about whether or not he could return to the team and then claim an injury. I have no idea how that's going to shake out if he tries that. Like that would be just some incredible stuff. But I agree with your overall point. I think it's going to get to a point where Daryl's like, "All right, screw it. Like the worst is behind us. You being away isn't really causing us too much pain. We're not going to trade you now. You should give him your cast." Yeah, <laughs> your your walking boot. Yeah. Hey there, can I get can I get that? Yeah. I have uh, a feeling our foots we might have different size feet that might not work. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, like it, it, I don't think Daryl's gonna cave right now, and I don't think anything's changing until at least mid December, and I don't think he's gonna be traded anytime soon. I think he comes back, gets sick of these checks being missed. If he's not able to claim an injury, like I think he will end up returning the team. Not, I'm not no inside info there. Just it just seems like the way this is going, and boy, well, would that be awkward with really his entire team if he's actually around them and not just like somewhere in the area. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, we're talking about it. It's it's just a hypothetical at this point, but you laid out the reasons why it, there's a good case that it it happens if he wants his money. I mean, like, look, I, I get the idea that. What what is his contract worth? He's he's getting thirty for three, yeah, thirty three a year. So you know, and he has two more years of that with the with the escalators as well. Or no, three more years of that. Excuse yep. me, sorry. It was uh, it was one seventy, right? That's what it was to to begin with, or something, right? In that range, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a lot. That's like, a lot. I, I'm sure he could feed his family with uh, while missing these checks, and I'm sure he can feed uh, you know his ancestors on down. I don't know, like five generations, whatever. The idea that you'd willingly pass—I I believe I heard Bobby Mark say that when you add it all up, like the the eight million dollars that is in escrow, that would get him to like early January or like mid January to just willingly punt. Eight million dollars. It's just, I don't know, man. It just seems insane to me. Like, why would you want to do that? And it's, you know, I mean, look, look, the reporting on from his side is that he's understood the financial consequences of this. Okay. All right. Well, then you won't get that money and, and maybe he sticks to his guns, but I don't know, man. I, I just, maybe I'm just applying our basic logic to this, right. what, what we would do. Do you have any idea how much you'd have to piss me off for me to be like, I don't need it at 8.25. That's cool. Keep it. Do you know how much it would piss me off? Even if I was that rich, like, wait, $300,000 for a preseason <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah. We just spent 20 minutes shitting on how terrible that game. Wait, I, I lose $300,000 for that. Are you kidding me? I mean, I don't know. That would drive me up a wall too. But again, we're different. Uh, we're not in his shoes, but uh, I mean, it, <laughs> It'd be a tough look for him coming back too after holding out. Yeah, no, he would be coming back with his tail between his legs. 
Um, yeah. they, I, I really think Rich Paul expected the Sixers to blink and, and just move, take the highest bid they had and it didn't happen. And now I don't know if they really have a plan B plan B would just be acting out more, but I don't even really know how they would do that. It seems like everything that could have been leaked has been leaked. But, and again, you know, I, I don't think the Sixers are handling this poorly at, at all with, you know, when it comes to these fines, but. Ben Simmons with his tail between his legs and like not trying to play basketball, not a good outcome for them either too. So, no, I, uh, I mean, look, I've been pretty consistent. I think he can be the biggest pain in the ass by coming back. <laughs> I also don't think he would necessarily have the personality for that. Um, but I think that's, <sighs> if he did, I think that would be the play for sure. For sure. For sure. Fun times. Fun freaking times. Oh man. He could have just, he could have just showed up on time then and just, Known that they were going to trade him, but I don't know. Yeah. Soldiered on through and did it with, I don't even want to say a smile on his face. He doesn't usually smile that no, much. I don't. He's not a very happy person. <laughs> but Certainly doesn't express it outwardly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. It, it just comes, it's the whole thing. It's it's who blinks first. And I don't know. I, I feel like we're we're still due probably. A hundred more mini updates before uh, one of the sides actually blinks. But I think we've been pretty consistent on this for a couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to be the Sixers if a side blinks. So No, I mean, I, I, there's just not there's look, the the way that they blink is if Joel Embiid gets injured or if they come out and they're four they, of eight, four and eight. Let's talk about that. Because that that's in play. And what if they suck? Like, what, what if we're like, yeah, that first preseason game, we should have known they, that's not a good team. You know, Joe couldn't solve it and maybe he gets injured for 25 games, something like that. Let, let's say that happens at that point. You would just be like, well, why don't we just tank the season? I mean, cause I think that you have the chance of really pissing Joel off if you do that. Maybe. Um, but I well, mean, if that, get, what, well, if he's, if he's out for the entire season, you wouldn't piss him off on that. Oh no. Like if Joel Embiid has like a serious injury, then yeah, that's in play. But if it's just like Joel Embiid's healthy, but they're not good enough around him and they're like, you know, six and seven and Daryl's starting to feel some heat. Um, that I like, if it goes completely off the rails and yeah, that, that might be in play, but if they're just not very good, then I think Daryl could feel a little more pressure, but whether or not he'd actually act on it probably depends on what the offers are like right now, which probably aren't going to get a whole lot better. Um, yeah, I don't know. But that 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 truly is the only way I could see them blinking is if it just goes off the rails like that. I think there's a scenario, but I mean, it's funny that we just talked about Joe Joel speaking his mind, and I don't know would we spend like thirty minutes on these crazy hypotheticals? But it feels more real almost now, though. So yeah, yeah, it does. I am I'm on the one hand glad that we have basketball back. Uh, on the other hand, I wish it would have been with any of their regular players so we could actually talk a little more about what we saw but it's tough to take away i mean look that starting lineup it just seems so slow like when you're watching andre drummond and george yang and look george not good either in the opener but you're just watching that along with danny green and seth curtin you're like oh my god they only have one guy who's actually like a plus speed wise for their position and that's tyrese maxley the 20 year old point guard that is a slow boring slow 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 team Boring is a is a great word. It was not. <laughs> and honestly, if you inject Tobias three Harris, of those, there, four, three of those five, you really don't want dribbling under any circumstance. 
like yeah, like Niang like dribbling more than maybe he did all of last season in uh in Utah in one preseason game. Did not go well. <laughs> uh yeah, you do wonder if Ben Simmons did watch that game though and think like All right. <laughs> they might they might suck. So maybe I'll get out of it that way. It is I, I think I am warming to the take though. And again, I don't think they're gonna be as bad as they were last night. Obviously you inject them beat in there. He's going to make a lot of things okay, and a lot of those guys are just going to flat-out play better, I would imagine. Um, I, I think I'm firmly planting my flag, though, on the on the take of... Uh, I don't know why you would plant your flag on the take, but... on um, I, I think Ben Simmons is really important in the regular season to sure. this specific group, just because they don't really have many guys who are that versatile defensively, and they don't really have that many guys that are elite passers and yeah you know I, i'm starting to just think like as much as he pisses you off during the regular season as even, much even when you bring Embiid and harris back like who's for their position who's the best passer of that group it might be Embiid, and he's not yeah. a great like, he's improved passing but he's still flawed yeah for sure it would it would have to be Embiid. i mean curry would be the only other one yeah, no curry's might be, yeah yep but he also, he probably is point guard size. So, so maybe that's kind of cheating anyway. And for uh, his position, he's below average. Yeah, he's not great. I mean, he certainly doesn't have a, uh, you know, like a ton of versatility with his passing. He's not like rifling, right. you know, right. cross court passing the way Simmons. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, Simmons, he'll piss you off the entire game with, you know, the lack of development. He wants you to jump shot. Maybe he'll. Loaf around for a little while on offense. Won't loaf around on defense. But the other stuff, you know, you just remove it, remove that uh, that piece from the puzzle, and it's, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's hard to to rework the rest of the pieces. Yeah, he is a a very frustrating player for sure. Uh, but regular season, he definitely adds a lot of value, and also they just don't have very many ways to replace him on either end. And look, it'll look better when you get Embiid and Harris back, and they play, and they care, and they've had more time to put in their system, and yada yada yada. Uh, but he is definitely a a helpful regular season player, like we said in the in the uh, previous podcast. All right, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. I'm in too. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.